Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running. What a beautiful calendar and day. Holy smokes, the weather is wonderful and getting better. Home improvement, two full hours, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby at the helm, cruising down the mighty Mississippi. We are going to address all questions that come in here by phone or other methods as you choose, 314-436-7900. My name is Scott Mosby. I'm on for two hours. My job is to help you. Pretty simple there. Whatever issues you face around the house with the good weather might just be one of those outdoor activity days of getting the yard ready for the rest of the coming seasons ahead of us, and we can talk about that on the phone lines, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred three one four four three six seven nine hundred. Today, with all the good weather and the forecast of even better weather, my golly, you know it's uh, uh, we had a little bit different Halloween experience, if you will. But uh, anyway, we have changing weather in St. Louis. If you don't like it today, just wait till tomorrow. It'll change. Three one four four three six seven nine. Hundred. <clears throat> now, as we get into these better <clears throat> weather, <clears throat> excuse me, weather days, um, and getting around the yard. For example, for me, you know, it's still leaf season. I, you know, put it off like some others, and uh, just grinding up the leaves. Uh, I'm a mulcher, and it tends to raise a, a good cloud of dust, and that can wind up on the pavement, the patio, the deck, the the uh, sidewalks, all the areas that track right inside the house so just be aware any dust that's outside for foot traffic especially coming in and out through the garage winds up indoors and you know so my point to you is if you have a leaf blower or a broom or something keep those areas immediately around the house free of dust and debris and your carpets and your floors and your vinyl floors and tiles and all that will be just that more much more happy. 314-436-7900. Probably time to put away the air conditioner, or so we thought. Uh, beautiful days to open up the weather. This is why I advocate that screens are really um, valuable and important to keep in good repair because uh, I, opening up the windows on a daylight today is just phenomenal. Fresh air, change the air. Uh, there are medical and health reasons for that. Uh, our our houses, structures, especially the newer, the more appropriate my statement, there are many, many man-made materials that come from chemicals and everything off-gasses, whether organic or not. If you have pine lumber that frames a house, you have that pine tar and all of the moisture that comes from a tree it off gases, you know, goes it it's drying out. Uh, carpeting made of carpet fibers, it is off gassing. It is curing. It continues to be what it was made to be. Uh, vinyl materials for the floor, painting, coatings, things like that. Fabric, furniture, paint, uh, clear coats for uh, stain on cabinet. All that stuff exhales just like you and I. It's manufactured and it breathes throughout its life. And, you know, that's a good thing. And with that also comes off gas. So, you know, just change in here. Let 
the air change and exchange, you freshen it up, which is why sometimes we have a kind of sick building syndrome. That's a, a more nasty type thing. But the same point is valid here that building materials go through a life just like you and I, and they off gas, they exhale, and some of it is... Uh, toxic in very low quantities so please don't be worried about that the point is is out with the bad air in with the good just like the old three stooges movie so just uh opening up the home as you do that be aware of the window locks the latches how easily and freely those screens might be removed the doors the door locks the deadbolts thresholds things like that because as we go into weather especially on a day like today Every bug that's, bug that's crawling and flying and still alive through the weather we've had, it wants to come into your house because it's out and it's active. Every little nook and cranny that can allow anything in, either dust is coming in, bugs are coming in, sometimes rodents and snakes as well. If the, air, if the hole is big enough up in the roof, you've got squirrels that just would love to nest in that wonderful insulation in your attic they'll chew through just about anything other than steel they can chew through uh, aluminum siding vinyl siding uh, soffit materials and the one thing they can't get through is a very thick piece of wood which is like a two by four or thicker they can if they're persistent they generally move to the neighbor's house once they get halfway through that say golly this got to be an easier neighbor somewhere but galvanized steel and that sheet metal the same stuff that's in your ductwork down in the basement those are the things that keep those critters out. My point is, is with this weather like this, anything still alive and in a nesting mode, and that's most of God's creation in St. Louis, wants to live in your home and will try. And on a day in the next few days like this, they will be uber active trying to nest and visit and live in your home. So be aware of that, 314-436-7900. Let's go right to the phone lines now and talk with my buddy Tom. Hey, Tom, good morning. Will you get us started? here on Camwex. How can I help? Yes, sir. How are you doing today? Great, great. How about yourself? Just fine, thank you. Uh, we've yes, been sir. doing a bunch of remodeling on our home, um, and now, for some reason, we don't have much water pressure. It's real low, and we just don't know why. We really haven't uh, done anything to change anything. All of a sudden, our water pressure has really dropped low. Uh, what kind, did you do plumbing pipe? Did you change, uh, plumbing and bathroom remodel, stuff like that? I mean, we're, get, we're, we're in the middle of remodeling, okay. uh, but I haven't changed anything yet. I mean, we're, we've got, uh, the old kitchen sink still in, we're yeah. getting ready to replace all that. But as of now, we haven't done anything with it. Uh, how about out in the streets? Has anything happened in your neighborhood where they're fixing water lines, digging up something, water leaks, not stuff that, like that? No, sir, not that I've noticed. Okay. Well, is here's, it our responsibility uh, or is it the city's? It, it doesn't matter. When you're losing pressure, man, it's your response. How do I fix this thing? All you want is a good shower, so it falls to you right. and me. You know, so the, the point is that if there's a break out in the street or anything, or they're doing uh, a replacement where they're changing water mains, any of that stuff that makes traffic really inconvenient, when they break that pipe or cut that pipe, they're actually sawing through a thin layer 
of uh, mineral buildup that lines the inside of every pipe. And that stuff breaks off like sand and it winds up through ever. Who's the next guy to turn on the water faucet that comes through you? Likewise, during this remodeling, if you're turning off the main shutoff to your house, you're taking a a seat or a washer or a valve when you turn that thing you're turning a faucet that hasn't moved in probably 15 years or 20 years and all likewise all that stuff breaks loose and it winds up at the smallest orifice which would usually be uh, shut off underneath your cabinet uh, uh, one of the lines or the aerators on your faucet so the first thing I'd like you to check is you know where the aerator thing is on the end of the spout on your kitchen faucet that unscrew screen thing yes sir try that pull that uh, you know and sometimes it takes a rubber jar opener thing to kind of hold on to it try not to mar the finish with a you know a pliers or whatever the point is right. is unscrew it take a look in there see what kind of debris uh, uh, cover the faucet the drain before you do this because you know humans do error prone things like me and not that i'm noticing myself uh not today anyway <laughs> But it all winds up on the bottom of the sink and hopefully not down the drain. So rinse that out. See if that changes at the faucet. Uh, If it doesn't really change, and you're going to find some debris there anyway just because you haven't checked for a while. But the point is that it could be that your main shutoff is somewhat blocked. And frankly, after you're finished with all this remodeling, I would rebuild or replace as part of it the shutoff to your main house. Uh, and that's the faucet down in your basement. And likewise, out there in your in your yard, uh, Missouri American or whoever it is that supplies your water uh, will also have those same kind of shutoffs. It, you know, it's, it's kind of like a blood clot. You knock a bunch of stuff loose and it gets lodged in the f- smallest flowing line. And, you know, if it's the whole house that's being affected, usually it's around your main shutoff or your pressure-reducing okay. valve if you have one. We have shut it off quite a bit because, you know, I've changed some faucets and what have you. But I, I haven't noticed the pressure problem in really only in the kitchen. I haven't noticed it in the showers. Oh, good. Well, then you'll probably find that that, you know, because the kitchen faucet is the one that gets used often. So you shut it off, you knock some stuff loose, nothing moves until you turn on the next faucet or flush the toilet. Well, you go to the kitchen, wash your hands, up goes that piece of sand, plugs that. So I, I, I suspect you're going to find a good bit of mineral deposits in the aerator of that kitchen screen. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. And and if that's not so, just keep thinking, you know, along the lines of what we've d- talked about. Is like, okay, you knock something loose, I've turned this thing on and off and on and off. It goes to wherever. It could be your washing machine. It could be your dishwasher. It could be your kitchen faucet. Your you know. So as long as you have one faucet that's bad, that's a good thing. So give it a try. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, Tom. Thanks for the call. Scott Mosby, home improvement, off and running. Great day here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, Bring it on, bring it in, bring it early, bring it often. I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more as I inhale and catch my breath. I'm in fair form this morning here on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
All right, Saturday morning, home improvement. Scott Mosby, we have a wonderful week ahead of us here. Uh, folks with the temperatures forecast to be in the 60s, even though it's overcast now, it's a great day to really paint, stain, uh, seal, whatever. The, uh, the important part here is the low temperature. So think in terms of the low temperature. We don't really get back down into the 30s until next weekend. And the optimal coating temperature, pretty much optimal for almost any any chemistry, chemical um, mixture, which is paint, stains, um, uh, clear coatings, things like epoxies, everything, is 70 degrees Fahrenheit. They're made primarily for about that temperature, as is air conditioning and heating units. That's the mean temperature where they design everything around. Well, if it drops down to 40, 45 degrees at night, it doesn't hurt the, the material. It just slows down the chemical curing. If it goes up to 85 degrees, it, it cures faster. Uh, humidity has something to do with it. The point being that if you're going to uh, do something with a wood deck or paint, siding, trim, uh, whatever uh, touch-up things, the bird feeder that gets a little bit of spray, you know, with the rust and such, getting ready for the winter, all that stuff is going to be very happy over the next week. Uh, concrete included. Concrete creates its own heat during the cure, so you can pour concrete actually just down right below the uh, freezing point uh, because it creates its own heat, and that's why it's very common for concrete flat work guys, foundation guys, road builders to cover it up with these tarps and covers just to keep the frost off of it because the the chemical reaction of concrete or cement curing, one of the byproducts is heat. Uh, So that's kind of a good thing. Beware. Coating asphalt, uh, sealing concrete, brick, things like that with your uh, Prosico type sealers that I advocate for that's good, high quality, pricey stuff, uh, typically professionally distributed, um, not typically the stuff you find in a hardware store or home center. The point is that it's the surface or the material temperature that ideally is 70 degrees. Well, we've had some pretty cool, chilly mornings. Uh, even today, you know, it was 50 degrees. Tomorrow we're going to get down to 42 that you want want the material like the asphalt and the concrete to be 70 degrees that's the best time and best material now keep in mind uh, tomorrow when we get sun on it the air temperature might be 65 degrees and if that asphalt and concrete is in the sun surface temperature might be 75 or 80 degrees so just be aware it's that big chunk of soil that keeps everything kind of warm it's like a big insulator down there let's go right to the phone lines here talk with my buddy ellen ellen good morning welcome to camwax how can i help yeah i got a plumbing issue yeah and uh we live in an older ranch built in 66 um we were having sewer smell in the basement we had a company come out and they did the hydro cleaning of the whole um basement we actually had one point had to replace all the basement uh plumbing under the floor and put out pvc in so they came out and cleaned everything out almost to the street everything looked fine we do have a cracked clay pipe that's not broken so there's not a replacement at this point probably at some point in the future but my issue is we've had this bubbling in the toilets So think of a long ranch with a half bath on one side and then two full baths back-to-back on the other side. We have vents up top. I don't know if this company went from the top, uh, the vents on the roof, 
But would a clog somewhere else be causing a bubbling when you flush toilets? Um, it could, but it's most likely uh, upline into the air vents like you're thinking. Uh, so if, if you have a partial uh, blockage, then it actually slows down the material exhaust or the runaway. So that, well, the slower it runs, the more opportunity the vent pipe up through the roof has to make up the air behind it. So think of it as a big tennis ball, a big slug going through this pipe. It's pushing air in front of it, and it's suctioning air or negative pressure, drawing air behind it. That's the purpose of those vents up in the attic, to make up the air and equalize the pressure so that slug moves through the pipe readily. Uh, if if you slow it down in front, it 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 actually gets more time to make up the air. If it if it runs really fast, um, typically those air bubbles happen if you have a blockage in the vent. So my guess is you may have something upline or the top. And keep in mind this can all be in the pipe. So if you have a toilet or a faucet or something like that. And it's the primary one, especially now with these low-flow water toilets. So uh, your pipes in 1966 or 1966 were designed for three and a half gallons per flush. You're now flushing about one-third of that volume of water trying to carry those solids away. So that stuff isn't really moving too far down the pipe. And that's one of my preventive maintenance things I want to bring up here later. Uh, So it... Uh, what happens is where the pipe goes into a Y or a T, you can actually build up and occlude or block the vent pipe to the top because that material's moving so slowly, whether it's oils in the sink or a shower drain where it drops into the vertical, you know, hitting the actual drain itself. All that stuff can build up right where directions change from one, you know, making a left turn or right turn or going down into the drain. So long and the short of it is, that blockage is most likely upline venting. Uh, most uh, sewer guys don't even think about that. You know, number one, they have yeah. to get up on the roof, and now your shingles are old, and they break a few shingles, and now they're in for, you know, negotiating new roof. You know, so they don't like to go up on roofs. You know, they're not, you know, trained roof guys. They're they're down-on-the-ground skilled guys. So, Well, you know, it's interesting because we, we got a new roof, oh, about three or four years ago, and then I guess issues started. I don't know. You know, I don't know. And and he did not go up. He just went from the basement. We had, we have two stacks downstairs plus the drain in the laundry room. And it's like I said, so think of a long ranch. We've got two stacks, I guess, up top. Yeah. And I don't think he went into either one of those from the roof down. Yeah, he he no. wouldn't. And, and I've seen roofers literally cover those things up. So sometimes they'll pull those out. Um, so my point is, is inspect what you expect. Uh, if you have okay. two modules of like, a, you know, a couple of bathrooms together and you have a kitchen and a utility room on the other end, you should have two vents or two pipes coming out from the top of your, your, uh, roof. Right. And, you know, yep. roofers mistakes, they make mistakes too. So sometimes they, you know, they cover right over these things without putting the, the things on both for heating and cooling exhaust vents. We've seen that as well as plumbing pipes not poking through uh, it should make it up it should be okay venting in the attic but just make sure I, and and frankly uh, I would have somebody check those and and see that they're free and clear uh, likewise yeah. for your toilet that's bubbling um, this is one of my preventive actually I just did it the other day so this is kind of a current 
event for me. I fill up a bucket, usually a five-gallon bucket with about three gallons of water in it. I lift up the toilet seat, and because I've, you know, I've had 1.6-gallon flushes for a long time, I dump just a bunch of water down that toilet really fast. So I put a big chunk of velocity, of high-velocity water going down that hole. I have to hit the toilet, you know, so you, you can make a real mess like this. But what it does is it just puts a bolus amount of water through that pipe and just blows all that stuff down line. So, okay. you know, because... You know, because 1.6-gallon flush runs out of, of velocity about seven or eight feet down line from the toilet, you know, which isn't exactly. much. Yeah, I've done that. Okay, well, I'll have them come back out and maybe just say, okay, we've, we've done everything else underground, so let's go back up top and start from there. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a, it's a symptom. Um, now, in 1966, do you have back-to-back toilets? Like we do. A, like I said, one side's the kitchen, the other side is the bat, and they are back to back. And so, actually, when my husband's in one bathroom and flushes, and I'm in the one right on the other side of the wall, that one bubbles too. <clears throat> yeah. Even okay. Well, that's because of the way the plumbing was built in 1966. Um, back in '66, we used to be able to put in what's called a double Y, which is a 45 degrees on both sides of the pipe. And so, if you have a fast flushing toilet, which some of these power pressure assist toilets are like jet engines, you flush one of those, it it will draw a vacuum, trying to drop the water or draw that air out of that other toilet because it's closer than 12 <laughs> feet up in the air, at the top of the uh, attic in that vent pipe. Do you following me there? Got it. Yep. Yeah. So just be aware you're not going to fix that, you know, without digging up and changing your pipes. It's nothing wrong. The only thing why they changed that code was just because of what you're experiencing. You flush one, it bubbles the other. It's like, well, that's not right. That doesn't make sense. Well, so now they make us uh, offset. So one Y might be uh, seven feet from the ground. The other Y might be four feet from the ground so that they it, you draw the air down through the vent first before trying to get it from the other commode. Got it. <clears throat> well, I appreciate all your help, and we'll go from there. Thanks so okay. much. Okay. All right. Good luck, Phyllis. Bye now. Or Ellen. Take care. Thanks, Ellen. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, phone lines are open, folks. Bring it on here. 314-436-7900. We're into plumbing issues here, it seems. And, and frankly, I'll tell you what, from here into the next 20 years, I'll bet we're going to talk about some more plumbing issues. Because as we, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we went from 3.5-gallon flush or, or 3.5 uh, GPM, gallons per minute, gallons per flush gpf if you will f for flush so we used to have those big tank you know you you know all the piping systems multi-story buildings 20 30 40 story buildings they were made for three and a half gallons of flush the whole piping system was now all of a sudden we're just putting a, a piddle of that you know a third of that down the pipe and there are consequences that come from that long term is more um valid than others uh and you know water Saving water is a big deal nationally. For us here in St. Louis, it's like we invented the stuff. I mean, how many rivers do we have here within 100 miles of St. Louis? We've got water. Even when it's low and the river's low, we seem to have a bunch of water anyway. So the point is that uh, legislation is generally written for a country, a whole geography, not necessarily for a town or whatever. So anyway, just it is what it is. The point being that you and I have to deal with some of the consequences of these decisions because now we're down to a 1.0 
a gallon per flush on some of the new appliances uh, and even, you know, you know, waterless urinals, things like that. Uh, as a nation and, and as a globe, it's important. As St. Louis, I don't know, we're one of the places has a bunch of water. I'm going to take a short pause, come back for more on KMOX here. This is Scott Mosby. I am at your service on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, we are back together, Home Improvement. We're halfway through our first hour. Stay tuned, hour uh, three, uh, as we finish up the Home Improvement Show. At 1 o'clock, we've got your retirement professionals. 2 o'clock right here on Cam Wex, Business of Family Business. Uh, always enjoy the Business of Family Business. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a small family business guy here in St. Louis. Well, I know those businesses have done business with many of them over the years, but it's also the history of St. Louis. So if you go back into the history of St. Louis, which I recently did, there is a movie uh, that was produced, I don't know, 20 years ago uh, that uh, Judy and I were just going through our DVDs, our CDs, just cleaning up stuff, my wife and I, and we came across this movie we've had for many years, and it's Brick, B-R-I-C-K, The History of Bricks, brick artisans, the architecture. Uh, uh, you, you hear aldermen today in the city of St. Louis saying houses are getting burnt down, they're getting torn down, stealing, all that sort of stuff. The point is, is the very, very rich, deep, and ethnic history of St. Louis is a big deal, and it's largely around brick. We even have a town made, you know, called Clay. You know, we have a place called Claytown, Clayton. And that's how prevalent clay was, brick. And if you don't believe me, uh, just look around you. Everything in St. Louis, urban areas were brick. It started uh, with fires along the riverfront that spread to buildings. Buildings then became brick and non-flammable structures. That's where our slate roofs came from, our clay tile roofs, non-combustible roofs, uh, all that sort of stuff. And because really in the density of urban areas, houses are built closer together. Flames and fire can spread from one to the other. You know, you have little sections between row houses that might be an air, one and a half feet wide, might be three feet wide. You know, flames and, and flame fire spread is a big deal, and that's largely what drives zoning ordinances and zoning laws around these municipalities. Anyway, uh, if you get a chance to look up the movie B-R-I-C-K, please do. It's really a rich history about St. Louis, and anyway, it's important to me. Uh, let's see what's happening and what's important to my friend Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis, good morning. Welcome to CAMWAX. How can I help you today? Well, good morning, Scott. Um, I'm having problems with my shower. I noticed that the water pressure is less only in the hot water. Mm-hmm. And I have one of those large old faucets that come out that has the little spigot that you pull straight up for the shower. Mm-hmm. I did have a little yeah. issue there, and I put some WD-40 in there because I wasn't able to really pull it up easily. And I do notice some water does still come out from there. And I also had a humidifier put on a brand-new furnace recently. And I noticed it's into that little copper tubing is into a pipe that goes into the hot water heater. And I didn't know if that could have anything to do with it. Uh, all of it can. Uh, when you put a saddle valve or a humidifier on and they pierce that pipe, uh, inevitably, I mean, you bang on something, you're going to knock 
minerals loose from a pipe. You know, you eat too many cheeseburgers for 70 years, you build up plaque on the inside of veins and arteries and all that. You know, it just is what it is. So anything that you change or whatever will knock something loose, and it'll be like a little blood clot, only it's a little pipe water flow clot, uh, and that's part of what you're facing. On your shower diverter, on the spout for the tub, uh, those things are not um, rocket science. They're pretty inexpensive, and the water goes to the pl- the the tub spout, and the seal of that water diverter or the rubber gasket. Uh, really, the more water that doesn't come out of your tub spout, the higher the pressure and volume will be up in the shower. So I th- for me, um, I would uh, first off, uh, take off your shower head, clean out. There's usually a screen or something mm-hmm. kind of like an aerator screen is on the end of a kitchen faucet or lavatory faucet. Pull that out, clean it out, close your drain before you do all that stuff because I tend to drop all that stuff in the bottom of the bowl anyway. Um, and likewise, your shower head has very small holes, little orifice openings that are easily blocked by mineral deposit and, and anything that knocks loose. So I don't think it's affecting your hot water heater because those are all pretty big pipes. If you knock it loose, goes in the water heater, it'll come right back out. You can flush the bottom of your water heater just for that buildup of all that sand and grit. That generally does not affect your water pressure because your water pressure is the valves coming out on the top. Right, it's just the hot water, not the cold. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, again, inside your valve um, for all those faucets, uh, on and off and on and off, it, typically the one that gets used most, which is the shower that I use every day, the toilet that I use, those things wear out faster, which means that your your washer or your seat, that rubber piece in there, probably has uh, deteriorated, gotten broken, and you may not be getting the full flow. Some of that stuff gets squeezed down and occludes, you know, just it just it grows toward the center to where you can get less hot water flow. Likewise, I would turn off the shutoff on the outlet of your water heater because that also is another place where your hot water can be constricted that shares throughout the whole house. Now, when you do that, you're going to knock a boatload of stuff loose again that's going to wind up in those aerators of all your faucets and and such as well. So if you can, turn off the water that comes out of your water faucet or water heater, uh, which is sometimes, you know, you don't have one. But um, either way, I I would look at the hot water on that. And I, I suspect you're probably ready to rebuild your shower valve is where this is all going to. Okay. All right. Didn't want to hear that one. Well, you can shoot me now. Well, it's just that I'm not savvy, so I'd probably have to have a plumber. Uh, yeah, well, um, how old is the faucet in your tub and shower? Um, I've been here seven years, and that's the same, you know, turn on and, and faucet yeah. that got, comes right from the wall. You know, and yeah. I have the hand lever that you go from cold and turn it all the way up to hot. Yeah, if you're going to have a plumber come, I mean, it, it costs a fortune just to get them there because you have to either you know it's like an opportunity if they don't go to joe's house where they can do four hundred dollars of work they're coming to your house you know you might as well have them you know talk to them about a new faucet and the pressure ask them the question we uh, spoke about and because sometimes that time is best spent changing your shower valve and such well you know i thought about calling my uh heating and air conditioning guy who put it in just to ask him if there was something you know i don't know if there's something he can adjust downstairs that 
that made that happen or because I've only noticed it since then. Yeah, yeah. Give him, a, you know, give him a call. I mean, he turns stuff off with uh, some of those valves too. If you have a trusted person like that, definitely start with that. If anything, we okay. have a relationship where you already know how to communicate. You're halfway there. Even if they don't know the answer, or didn't have anything to do with it, they can kind of noodle it through with you, just like I am. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you so much. Thanks for your Yeah, show. good luck. Sometimes a lower water pressure on one side like that, Phyllis, can be a little bit uh, hard to find. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy, Steve. Hey, Steve, Scott Mosby, how are you this fine day? I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic, my friend. How can I help you this fine morning? we got a couple of questions. Uh-huh. I, I, I've got... Uh... Two rain gauges. I got just a regular glass tube, uh-huh. and then I got this thing called an AccuRite. It's got like okay. a seesaw or teeter-totter in there, and I guess it hits the left and the right. And I just want to know how they work and it, which one is uh, more reliable. And uh, well, I would tell them, you. Uh, think? What's that? Uh, keep going. Okay, and then I got... These things I plug in supposed to keep bugs away. Do they wear out? How long do they last? Do they even work? You know, I get a light that flashes like every 45 seconds or minute. And I just don't know if it's worth, you know, buying those things or if I got to replace them. I mean, I don't know how it would wear out, but yeah, those are my two questions. Okay, uh, rain gauge. Uh, The most reliable rain gauge is the water flask. Just the little test tube looking thing with the notches on it. Uh, It doesn't lie. It it doesn't have electronics. It doesn't need calibration or adjustment. It doesn't take any electric or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, simple, um, straightforward. Uh, is generally, you know, low-tech is the most reliable. So the, your typical rain gauge that just is out there and just measures water and you dump it out and start, that's your highest reliability piece because it, it's lo, it's specific to your location. Uh, How the do they Acu- work? What's that? How do they work? Because, I mean, the diameters are different. They're, you know, you got a long one, you got a short one. I just, I don't understand you know, just like one drop goes in there at a time, and I, I don't get how they work. Well, they're, they're, they're you know, they're, if you had one that was three feet in diameter, that would be more liable than the one that's a half inch or a one inch in diameter. The problem is, and that's where you can also call the weather service or check on online for things, but they won't tell you what happened in your backyard. So um, they are calibrated to how, where those notches are to what the diameter is. And it is dependent upon, you know, what falls inside that little flask opening. Uh, but that is, your Accurite is relatively accurate, but, you know, it's, it's the convenient, the feature on that is that you don't have to be there next to it to get a reading. So it's a convenience product that's pretty accurate, not quite the same as ac- measuring actual water accumulation. So that's right, that well, one. That, that, uh, I mean, it's pretty much right on with the, you know, the weather service. I mean, it's, you know, the Accurite is. And it tells yeah. me the temperature and humidity and all that stuff, so. Yeah. Okay. That and then your plug-in, those things that keep the bugs away, they're, of, um, they're easier to sell than they are to keep bugs away. 
So you and I buy them, that, and that's why they keep making them. They're kind of effective. They're most effective, frankly, for keeping bats away, frankly. That's my experience because the bats are sonar and sound-related creatures. Bugs just looking for a meal. They smell it, and they go to that scent, and they're going to chew on whatever. So I'm not a big fan for the sounds for rodents and for insects, but they are pretty effective on bats. If you really want to get rid of the insects, and don't turn on the bat sounder thing. Let the uh, bats come by and eat all your insects. That's the biggest deterrent to bugs that I've ever seen. They, they eat two and a half times their body weight every day in bugs. All right. Well, I mean, do they wear out? I mean, oh, yeah. should I replace it or what? I wouldn't reply. I, don't, I wouldn't count on it working, though. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't replace I had it no either. problem with bats, but I, I thought it was helping with mice and, you know, ants and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, not so much with the ants and such. It, it might with mice, but golly, uh, at this time of year, the only thing that's going to take care of a mouse is a cat. <laughs> Those mice are going to be yes, persistent. <laughs> All right, Steve, thanks for the All call. Right, thank you very much. All right, my friend, take care. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned. Hour 2 of Home Improvement coming up next. I'm going to take a short pause right before news, weather, and sports top of the hour here on KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Home Improvement. Tonight we have Daylight Savings Time. This is Spring Forward is last time. Now we are in the fall. We are fall back. So we fall back. We actually pick up one hour tonight at, I think, 2 a.m., something like that. Don't quote me on that. Uh, But next weekend, uh, we will be on Daylight Savings Time on the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Along with Daylight Savings Time, for those of you that have smoke detectors here it comes yep smoke detectors most of those things have little nine volt batteries in them some do not but most do uh, even if you have hardwired or direct wired uh, smoke detectors which means the electrical house current you know you have wires going to them that give it the current and make them run uh, if you lose power you still want to be awakened and notified if you have a fire issue so it, it could be a, a likely scenario you know, you've got terrible weather, Wind, you know, you have a thunderstorm, winds blow down, the power lines, you're out of power, lightning strike occurs or whatever happens around you, all of a sudden you've got a house fire. And that smoke detector is depending upon that battery backup. So the life you save may be your own. Make sure you get these batteries changed out. We like to advocate that spring and fall. Uh, if you're using up batteries too fast, that's one thing. But dying because you can't get to a smoke detector battery. Uh, there are home uh, people that will come, uh, handymen that will come, friends, neighbors. Usually fire department will do this for you. They generally rather change your batteries for you than uh, haul you out in a gurney on an ambulance for uh, injury so uh, if not they can refer you typically to uh, firefighters off-duty firefighters that may be willing to do this and these some of these houses you know you may be in one of these vaulted living rooms with a 13 14 15 foot ceiling yeah that's a, that's a ways up so anyway make sure you change those batteries that's important uh, and uh, tonight before you go to bed uh, go from say you go to bed at nine o'clock 
turn your clock back, fall back one hour, make it eight o'clock when you uh, on the clock. And for me, you know, that's something I have a list and it's amazing. I think on daylight savings time, I have to set back 23 clocks. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned for more. All right. We're going to have more coming up soon, but uh, just be aware more time, more batteries, 23 batteries in one house. You know, thankfully now the car is set back. Um, we have an oven that has Wi-Fi connectivity. So that's one of the advantages on the Internet uh, of things that now my oven resets its time. I think that's pretty nifty. Uh, sometimes the Accurite, uh, like Steve calling, about which is more uh, accurate. Sometimes those devices, I have watches now that are digital watches that reset themselves. Whew. I mean, uh, I, it takes me an hour. And typically, I do a few on Saturday night, and I do most of them on Sunday morning, uh, early morning, as I wander around and go out to the clock in the garage and change that, and then look in both cars. Sometimes they've made it, sometimes not. Anyway, stay tuned. Coming up next, news, weather, and sports. After that, the hour number two of the Home Improvement Show on KMOX.